Welcome to the Strange and Interesting Podcast, a show about folklore, the paranormal, urban legends, and pretty much anything else I happen to find strange or interesting. I am your host, Al. Welcome to the first episode of Strange and Interesting for the year 2024. As we ring in the new year, it is a fitting time to explore a subject that has gained popularity in some online communities and even pop culture, and that is the subject of liminality and liminal space. I have already discussed this subject in various episodes, specifically when dealing with the subject of the backrooms, but there is more to this concept than a never-ending maze of yellow wallpapered rooms. Liminal space has its roots in liminality, a term coined by folklorist Arnold Van Genep in 1909. He conducted research into various rites of passage. These rites can take many forms and be performed for a variety of reasons. Generally, rites of passage are used to mark the movement from one group of people within a society to another but they can also be performed for many other reasons. Rites of passage can be linked to religious rituals or cultural traditions. A common example is a coming-of-age ceremony that marks one passage from youth to adulthood. Depending on the religion or culture, a rite of passage might only be undertaken by a youth of a certain gender. Rites of passage can include fasting, meditation, scarification, periods of isolation, and physical trials. Some branches of the military have their own rites of passage. A longtime friend of mine who served in the Navy told me about one such rite called the Shellback Initiation. In this branch of the U.S. Armed Forces, those who have been only north of the equator are referred to as polywogs. When the ship reaches the equator, these sailors are put through a series of embarrassing situations in order to earn the right to be called a shellback. Finally, other rites of passage are based on societal expectations and events that are considered significant. These rites can include things such as obtaining a driver's license, getting one's first kiss, graduating high school, or a person's first sexual experience. In Van Gennep's studies, he defined three distinct stages to a rite of passage, separation, liminality, and incorporation. During the separation period, the initiate is set apart from the members of the group he was once a part of. This can be for a significant span of time or for only as long as it takes to move on to the next step. During the final stage, the individual has fully transitioned from the previous group to the new one. This might be commemorated with something as simple as a certificate to fancier accoutrements such as a badge or bodily modifications like a scar or tattoo. But the middle stage of a rite of passage is what inspired today's topic, and that is liminality. This word comes from the Latin word limen, which means threshold. 
At this point, the initiate is part of neither world. Since the ritual has commenced, he is no longer truly among the previous group. But since the rite has not completed, he cannot fully count himself among the ranks of the group he seeks to enter. The recognition of this state is said to cause a feeling of disorientation as the initiate realizes belongs to neither group. At its core, liminality is the state of existing between states. This term can be applied towards physical places, emotional states, and even spaces of time, which makes it a fitting topic to discuss at this time of the year. The period of time between New Year's Eve and New Year's Day is one such liminal time span as it represents the transition from the old year to the new, from the past to the future. While many people only mark this time with festivities involving family and friends, other people choose to use this time for spiritual purposes or rituals with meaningful or symbolic intent. In some neo-pagan traditions, for instance, New Year's Eve is considered a good time to perform rituals related to purification and divination. Symbolically, this can be seen as getting rid of that which gave you problems over the past year and looking for signs of what the coming year might bring. The Japanese have a tradition of serving a dish called Toshikoshi Soba. The long shape of these noodles is believed to represent a long life. There is also a Spanish tradition of eating 12 grapes at midnight as a way to ensure good fortune for the coming year. If drinking is more your thing, then you might enjoy this tradition from Russia. Some Russians will write down their wishes for the coming year on a piece of paper, burn it when the midnight hour nears, then drink the ashes in a glass of champagne. And for the unmarried ladies out there, you might not want to throw away that mistletoe you hung up around Christmas. According to Irish tradition, placing this plant under your pillow on New Year's Eve will help attract a husband in the coming year. New Year's Eve is not the only liminal time of the year. Dusk and dawn are seen as liminal times because these periods represent the transition between night and day, darkness and light. The same can be said for the equinoxes and the solstices as they represent the boundaries between the seasons. What makes the topic of liminal space so fascinating is that it can be divided into both physical and emotional liminal space. Emotional liminal spaces are described as drastic but temporary changes in a person's life. These time periods are often associated with feelings of uncertainty. Commonly cited examples of emotional liminal spaces include moving to a new town, adjusting to life after marriage or a divorce, and the period of time after job loss. In my opinion, another good example of an emotional liminal space is the last semester of your last year in high school as well as the summer that follows. For listeners outside of the United States, please keep in mind that I am approaching this from an American perspective, 
So it might not work out the same if the educational system is different where you live. By the time a student reaches their last semester in high school, they are either 18 years of age or they soon will be. So in the eyes of the law, they are considered an adult. But yet at the same time, society still sees them as a child. Most likely a high school senior is still living with their parents, so they are not supporting themselves yet. More importantly, this is a time when a young adult needs to decide what they want to do after graduation. Traditionally, most universities start in the fall. So for those who are going to higher education, the summer after graduation is usually a time to work a summer job, maybe spend some time with friends who are moving, and getting ready to enter another emotional liminal space, and that is the period of adjustment that comes with going to college. For some individuals going to college, this might represent the first time they've been away from home for a long period of time. During that time, they'll need to learn the new city that they're in. They'll need to meet new people and need to learn to take care of things on their own. But while examining emotional liminal spaces is fascinating, Many people are more interested in the concept of physical liminal space. We can think of these spaces in terms of a place versus a non-place. French anthropologist Marc Audouchet discussed this in his book, Non-Places, an Introduction to Super Modernity. A non-place is a location where you are just meant to exist. They are rarely places worth noting because they do not become part of your identity. At best, these locations can become little more than a footnote in your library of memories. When you exist in a non-place, you are anonymous. This differs from a place because a place is a location that has some sort of meaning and identity for you. A hotel room is usually brought up as a way to illustrate the concept of a liminal space, and it also makes sense for discussing the subject of non-spaces. I relate to this example based on my experience from being an exhibitor at game conventions over the years. I have been to conventions that were too far out of town for me to easily commute back and forth between home and the event, so in these cases I stay at a hotel. But the hotel room is not the purpose of my destination. It is merely a place for me to stay when I am not running a game, working at my booth, or eating a meal. Unless something out of the ordinary happened in that room, it is unlikely I will attach any special memories to it. No doubt, other people stayed in that room before me, and people will have stayed there since, but we shall forever remain unknown to each other. But yet, all of us shared the same experience of just being there. On the other hand, that same hotel room has the potential to be a place to the people who work there, especially the housekeeping staff. Perhaps one of the housekeepers attaches meaning to that room because there was a time when they had to clean up after an exceptionally messy guest who stayed there. Another personal experience I used to work maintenance at a hotel, 
And I remember one of the rooms there did actually have a plaque by it because that's the first room in the hotel where a guest ever stayed. So they actually named that room in honor of that individual. So in that case, that particular hotel room can be said to be a place as opposed to a non-place. Various types of liminal spaces have appeared in folklore and religion throughout the years. Mountaintops and caves are good examples, as they can be seen as halfway points between heaven and earth, or earth and the underworld. A more mundane, but no less fascinating example of a liminal space is the crossroads. There are a variety of meanings connected to these places. The ancient Greeks associated the crossroads with Hermes, which makes sense as he is the god of travelers. The crossroads were also associated with Hecate, a goddess who is associated with boundaries, among other things. In British law, the crossroads were traditionally used as the burial ground for criminals, people who committed suicide, and those who were deemed undeserving of a proper burial. This practice was later abolished in the 1800s. The crossroads were sometimes used as a place to display the remains of executed criminals until they rotted away. Medieval European folklore often pictured crossroads as a place associated with paranormal occurrences because they were often seen as a place where the boundary between the worlds was thin. Various supernatural creatures could be encountered here, including fairies, banshees, witches, and black dogs. Since criminals and people deemed unfit for a Christian burial were often buried at the crossroads, it is also possible to encounter ghosts here as well. The crossroads were also a good place to summon the devil, should you choose to make a bargain with him. Such was the case in the German folktale of a scholar named Faust. He sells his soul for knowledge, and depending on which version of the story you consult, he either meets his end when the devil comes to collect his due, or he is saved by the grace of God. A parallel can be found in the story of American blues legend Robert Johnson. Back in episode 6 of this podcast, my guest, Aaron Scott, discussed this historical figure. He was born in 1911 in Mississippi. He left home to pursue a career as a blues musician. Johnson was said to have been a proficient harmonica player, but he really wanted to play guitar. Unfortunately, his guitar skills were not quite up to par and described as being quite embarrassing. He left town for a while, and when he returned, he surprised his critics with his newfound talent. Sadly, Johnson would not live long enough to enjoy the fruits of his success. He died at the age of 27 from unknown causes. Robert Johnson's sudden acquisition of talent and mysterious death led to several rumors about his life. The most popular rumor is that he met with the devil at the crossroads and handed the devil his guitar. The devil played some chords and then handed Johnson's guitar back to him. The next time the young musician played, his skill was said to be so great, the audience asked him not to stop. 
Most likely, though, Johnson gained his guitar skills the old-fashioned way, by seeking out a teacher. It is known that Johnson sought out musician Ike Zimmerman for instruction. Zimmerman was said to have practiced his guitar playing in a graveyard so he wouldn't disturb anyone, and this is how he was said to have taught Johnson. This may have helped inspire the legend that Johnson gained his talent through supernatural means. Johnson's death inspired a few rumors as well. According to blues musician Sonny Williamson, he witnessed Johnson flirting with a woman. Later, the woman's husband handed Johnson a bottle of whiskey. Williamson knocked the bottle out of Johnson's hand, much to his annoyance, and advised the young man to never drink from a bottle he didn't open himself. The woman's husband would later get Johnson another drink, which proved to be his last. Later that evening, he fell ill and died a few days later. Since no autopsy was performed, it is unknown if he was poisoned or not, though later researchers have suggested he died from syphilis. But not all cultures associate the crossroads with supernatural evil. Some practitioners of hoodoo associate the crossroads with the Congo Cosmogram. This symbol originates in Central Africa and made its way to North America via the transatlantic slave trade. The Congo Cosmogram represents the four seasons, the four elements, the path of the sun across the sky, and the four stages of life. Starting at the bottom of the cross, the salt represents water, conception, and springtime. Moving counterclockwise, we have fire, birth, and summer. Next comes air, maturity, and autumn. Finally, we come to earth, winter, and death. The top half of the Congo Cosmogram is said to represent the physical world, and the bottom represents the spiritual world. The center of the crossroads is the nexus that allows for communication with spirits. Several African deities and entities have been linked to the Congo Cosmogram, with one of the more well-known being Papa Legba. This figure gained recognition through the third season of the uh, anthology series American Horror Story, though the character presented in that show is quite different from the way he is viewed in modern voodoo. Papa Legba is said to look like an old man wearing a straw hat and carrying a cane or walking stick. Sometimes he smokes a pipe or drinks a bottle of rum. His appearance might not suggest it, but he serves a very important purpose in ritual. According to Denise Alvarado, an author who has studied Creole culture and folk traditions of the American South, Papa Legba stands at a spiritual crossroad and grants or denies permission to speak with the spirits and is believed to speak all human languages. He is always the first and the last spirit invoked in any ceremony because his permission is needed for any communication between mortals and the Iowa. He opens and closes the doorway to the spirit world. The average person today rarely sees liminal space as something sacred. 
Regardless, these places have taken a hold in internet culture and inspired something known as the liminal space aesthetic. Thousands of users on Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, and other social networking sites enjoy sharing images and video depicting locations like empty hallways, living rooms decorated in a style invoking days gone by, and abandoned office buildings. This aesthetic owes its popularity to an image that first appeared on 4chan in 2018, but gained attention in 2019. This image depicted an abandoned office space decorated in yellow wallpaper with tan carpets and glaring fluorescent lights. It first appeared in a thread on cursed images, but eventually resurfaced in a thread about places that felt... off. It may not have gone much further, but two days after the initial posting, an unknown user added the following comment. If you're not careful, and no clip out of reality in wrong areas, you'll end up in the back rooms, where it's nothing but the stink of moist carpet, the madness of mono-yellow, an endless background noise of fluorescent lights at maximum hum buzz, and approximately 600 million square miles of randomly segmented empty rooms to be trapped in. God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby, because it sure as hell has heard you. And thus... The backrooms were born. Soon after, users began to establish wikis to create new levels and entities to inhabit this strange new world. Fans of the backrooms even coined a term known as the backrooms vibe. This phrase is used to describe something that reminds the user of the backrooms and can be applied to images, video, movies, TV shows, video games, and music. Media that has been labeled as having the backrooms vibe often invokes feelings of unease, loneliness, and sometimes nostalgia. They're often ambiguous as well. It might not be clear when the image was taken or what purpose the space served. In many cases, it is this lack of context that creates the feeling of the backroom's vibe and takes us into the uncanny valley where things feel just a little bit off. Empty school hallways, malls, and airports are popular subjects among fans of the backrooms and liminal space images. Why? Well, it is because these places are not meant to be empty. They should be busy and full of people. We are not accustomed to seeing these places devoid of activity, though the COVID outbreak of 2020 changed that. Seeing them dead is unsettling, yet fascinating at the same time. And perhaps this combination of fear and fascination is what has created our attraction to liminal spaces and the concept of liminality. This ends this first episode of 2024. If you've been listening to my show for a while, 
I'd like to thank you for continuing to listen to my various podcasts. And here's to hoping you will continue to listen and enjoy my shows throughout 2024. And until next time, everyone, stay strange and stay interesting. You have been listening to a presentation of Point of Insanity Game Studio. Visit us on the web at POIGameStudio.com. Follow us on Twitter at POIGameStudio. Look us up on Facebook and email us at POIGameStudio at gmail.com. <laughs>